Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. One thing we can promise you is that our conversation will be less than fascinating, so you can feel free to drift off. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano. And I'm your co-host, Nidhi Kana. Find us online at theinsomniaproject.com or tweet us at Listen and Sleep. I wanted to start today's podcast, Nidhi, talking to you about eggs. We just finished having... Uh, quiche for dinner yes and it's a popular thing to have breakfast for dinner and uh i was just fascinated because we were having the conversation how this particular quiche um didn't have too much in it to distract from the flavor of the eggs and what a unique thing an egg is you know they come in different colors in the carton you can get white ones or brown ones and i don't know if you've ever seen a uh, a hen that makes green or kind of blue eggs. Have you ever seen a blue egg? No, no. A lot no. of sort of um, those particular hens, I forget what they call them, but like show hens or certain types of hens will lay different color eggs. So some will be a little bit off-white and I've seen blue, not quite like a robin's egg, but uh, it's still in that blue and kind of uh, green color. Do you know why eggs have different colors? Like when I go to the store and I see white eggs and brown eggs, is that... Do you know why that I is? I think it has a lot to the hen's diet. So oh. if they're eating corn versus, let's say, grass and whatever else hens eat, like worms and, and other grains, I think that informs the color of the egg. Because I know in Europe, for example, you tend to see more brown eggs. Versus mm-hmm. in North America, we tend to see the white egg. And we're talking, of course, about the shell. Um, so before you even crack the egg, uh, the color the color that it is. Now, I know a, duck's, a duck egg is longer, if you will. So it's a, it's a bigger egg, but it actually has more of a longness to the oval shape that it has. Right. And its um, sort of content is a lot richer, let's say, even when you cook with a duck's egg. So recently, Marco, you know, I went to a restaurant with some friends of ours, mm-hmm. and uh, we had uh, duck egg-based dishes. Yes. It was the first time that I had ever had uh, duck eggs in my breakfast repertoire, Okay. I guess. 
I enjoyed it. Yeah. I didn't think I would, but um, what were you expecting? Because that's always a, that's, that's always a, a good question. question. Because you know, it's often the unknown that you sort of question. You have a sort of preconceived idea, and then when you actually encounter it, it can often be different in a pleasant way mm-hmm. compared to what you thought it would be. I, uh, you know what, to be honest, I wasn't quite sure what I was expecting. Um, I knew I wasn't expecting it to be, as you say, as rich or um, um, as creamy mm-hmm. as the consistency was. Um, so that was surprising to me. Um, yeah, I guess that was about it. I just don't associate anything other than a hen's egg sure. with breakfast. Sure, sure. Um, what about a quail's egg? Have you ever had a... Now, now a quail's egg is... I don't know if you've ever seen it. They're obviously small, like, because it's... A quail is a small... A small fowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, speckled and brown. Oh, it's right. actually really pretty when you look at a, a, a quail egg. And oftentimes, in, in certain places, they'll, like, fry a quail egg and they'll put it on top of something. And it's really kind of cute because it looks like a miniature version of the hen's egg that we're all used to seeing. Right. And it is also has a nice little flavor to it as well. I have not tried a quail's egg, mm-hmm. but when you say speckled um, in its color, in the shell, it's mm-hmm. funny because it reminds me of um, when I was growing up and in school, we had, I had a Ukrainian classmate, oh. um, and she used to bring, um, around Easter time, like the, the Ukrainian... Pinsky. Oh, is that what they're called? Yeah. You know who can do Pinsky? Who's that? Myself. Yours truly. Are you kidding? I've done it. I I wouldn't say I'm a master at it, but when I was young, about five or seven, they used to do these commercials or these public service announcements, and uh, I couldn't even tell you what it it was for. I don't think it was even a public service announcement. I think it was a Canadian heritage moment. And because there's a lot of people uh, in Saskatchewan from the Ukraine, they were focusing on these Pinskys and these Ukrainian eggs that are multicolored and black being a lot of the base of these colors. That as a child, I always wanted to do those Easter eggs or the, those Pinsky as Easter eggs. But when you're a child, you just get the dyes that are different colors. So you can color your egg, maybe blue, maybe purple. And some of them might allow you to do little specks of other colors, but that was it. And I always remember being disappointed about that. And so, years and years later, I happened to be walking on Queen Street, which happens to be a pretty interesting street here in Toronto from where we broadcast. And uh, I noticed that they had a Pinsky kit. So I purchased a book and I purchased the, the various colors that I wanted to dye the eggs. Now, do you have any idea what goes into making one of those eggs? I don't know the specifics of it, okay. but I can imagine that it would be quite laborious. It took me about an hour each egg. Oh my goodness. So what you do is you create the dyes, and in this particular case, we had little tablets that I would put in, in different water with a bit of, I want to say, vinegar. And then you have, and I, I'm afraid I don't remember the name of the instrument, but if our listeners do know the name of the instrument and they want to put it on our Twitter you can do that at listen and sleep and you can remind me what the name of the instrument is it kind of looks like a little wooden peg let's say with a copper funnel on the end and what you do is you heat up wax and you take this little funnel and you dip it in the wax so the wax is in the funnel then you take your egg 
and with the wax you color the design that you want to appear on the egg so for example if you want let's say white lines to circle your egg you would take the wax and cover the white egg with those lines then you would take the egg and you would dip it in the next color that you want to appear on the egg so let's say you go from white to yellow because you have to go from lighter colors to the darkest color once the egg is dyed you remove it from the yellow dye you take your your wax once again and you color in whatever or you cover with wax whatever you want to remain yellow so now your egg has a bit of wax where the white would be a little wax where the yellow would be you dip it in red dye let's say so now we've dipped it in red dye you make further designs with the wax on the egg constantly sort of scribbling with this little funnel of wax onto the color of red that you want covered by wax you then take the egg you place it in another color let's say purple at this point now you're making swirls and dots in purple with the wax you take it and then you put it in the darkest color black and there's so many colors you can choose from that it doesn't have to be in that order but i was just going in order of colors that tend to be darker now the now the egg is being dyed black you remove the egg and now the egg has all this wax on it so you can't really see the colors because there's a bit of the black dye that's gone on the wax what you now have to do is have a candle hold the egg to the candle close so that the wax that has been on the candle will now melt and with another sort of paper towel you remove the wax as it melts to reveal the egg which is now colored and it is a long laborious way to make a Pinsky Easter egg but the result is really really beautiful that's fascinating in its own mm -hmm. right and there you go I, you know it's funny because I haven't spoken about doing this egg and it must have been easily 10 years ago that I did it and I never did it after because it took so long and it would take hours and I, I made maybe a dozen eggs and you have to hollow out the egg too by making a hole on either side and blowing out the content oh, so no. that was not easy no. but uh, definitely I do have respect for those eggs whenever I see them and they're selling them for $25 I think to myself that is a bargain because <laughs> I could not sell mine for less than 100 after an hour sometimes two hours working on one egg and just melting the wax away and trying not to burn the egg by putting it too close to the candle. It um, really goes to show how handcrafted goods these mm -hmm. days really don't get the um, recognition they mm -hmm. deserve, right? Because that was just one hour I know. on this egg. I will say this, you know, it's funny because now with Etsy and whatnot, we're seeing a lot more of that come to the surface where people are making mm -hmm. their own items. I have a, a friend... Uh, who makes her own little furniture pieces that she sells on Etsy's and I, and I look at them and I think to myself wow it's absolutely gorgeous what 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 she's doing I don't know if you can hear in the background uh, a little bit of a buzzing sound that's our computer uh, it's interesting we were talking about background noise on podcasts and just background noises in general it, you know Marco when you were talking about the Ukrainian eggs the Pinskys I was uh, a little bit distracted by that background noise mm -hmm. um and it's interesting to me because background noises are kind of a funny thing you don't really realize they're there until you have a moment where you can focus on them because even right now we're talking but in the back of 
my mind or some auditory part of my mind, I can hear um, this buzzing in the room, right. which I think is from a lamp or a- something Ambient like that. sound from a, from a lamp, of course. So it's really interesting that we can have all these different sounds kind of being around us, but yet we're focused on our voices right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're kind of split in our mind, like our auditory sense is sort of split between all these things. But it's funny because when we started recording, I hadn't heard the fan, but Until, the minute right. I became focused on it, now I can't stop hearing right, it. Right, fair. You know, it's interesting, like, I have a tendency to have a pen in my hand, and yes. I'm always kind of jotting things down, and as, as we're talking, sometimes I don't want to forget a thought, so I'll quickly jot it down, but as you've witnessed uh, on the previous episode, I will sometimes drop my pen. <laughs> and I will always take it away from you, right. and, and then he'll go and get another pen. And so I have a about... I have about uh, 15, 15 different color pens at my reach. And even though my argument has always been, once again, our listeners can chime in on, on Twitter or, or send us an email with regards to this. I can test that even if I drop my pen and, and listen closely, because I'll, I'll be dropping my pen right now just to make that, that point. So that's me dropping my pen. And that's from a height. This will be more how I drop it, like if I'm writing it and it drops. So that's the sound of my dropping pen. In my opinion, those sounds in a podcast are actually welcome because the difference for me between a podcast and, let's say, a radio uh, transmission is that it's the lesser amount of polish that's on a podcast that makes it very listenable and, and more intimate with the listener. So you could be walking to your bus, let's say, listening to the podcast. In our case, you could be lying lying hopefully in bed or on a plane let's say trying to relax trying to fall asleep and you're listening and it sort of connects you with the with the host better sure mm-hmm. sure it gives it a bit of um a character sure. a different character than you would might mm-hmm. get on on a radio but um see we're gonna hear some ambient sound now too right, and i yeah. wonder if the listeners will be able to hear this right of course you know it's interesting when you're doing a podcast from studio versus from your home studio um every little thing that you hear in the background you think oh will that pick up on the microphone uh lights being turned on and off or neighbors opening the, their doors or whatnot so um we have a great microphone and hopefully it won't pick that up but it picks us up but it's it's interesting that we got on this topic of background noise because background noise uh i think can really add to an experience whether you're let's say watching a theatrical production or a film what's going on in the background or what a foley artist does can really make make your production stand out or make it feel lacking well i think it's those um it's the things that you're not noticing so uh, or that you're not focused on that in a movie situation or in a theater really the subconscious is picking that up and is making it real for you so i think the experience is a lot more mm, in depth or robust when you have sort of that ambient sound in the background. Sure. What do you think, Marco, about um, white noise? It's interesting. White noise doesn't do much for me. Um, I know some people swear by it. Mm -hmm. I know for for children, a lot of parents will say white noise really helped them because it would relax their kids or help them fall asleep and whatnot. My fear with white noise is getting used to it. And then what happens when the white noise isn't there? Mm -hmm. And I never thought about that. I, I... I hesitate with white noise because what necess- what may relax you 
or put you in a state of relaxation. Might not relax me. I was in a room once with someone who had some like thunderstorm white noises and I was like, this would not relax me at all. But I guess it's how you associate yourself with with that that. sound. Mm -hmm. It's true. Uh, Running water or the sounds of a, a lapping ocean. Like if you are not a good swimmer or scared of the ocean, it might not be what works for you. True. Or mm-hmm. if, like yourself, you haven't learned to swim yet. Right. It's an, it's interesting because my sister is a lifeguard. Is she really? My wife is a very accomplished swimmer. Yes. Are you a good swimmer? I am a good swimmer. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite swimmer. stroke to do? Uh, I think breaststroke. Yeah. Yeah, I think I find mm-hmm. it manageable, easy. I haven't... I, I swim off and on now, um, but when I was younger, I... I think I had my first certification to be a lifeguard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really did enjoy swimming. So for me, I don't know, that breaststroke is just something that you would do in the ocean, something that you would do in the lake. It has it evokes very good memories for sure. me. Um, what would be your least favorite stroke? You know, I have to say, I'm not the biggest fan of like your regular fast stroke that you would normally do um so you're just your regular swimmer stroke i guess the first one that you Mm -hmm. learn how to do um i think it's because for me swimming is always very recreational and leisurely um but i find that stroke just becomes very competitive because it's what you use and like it's what competitive swimmers use and you're constantly racing with someone um so i like the backstroke i like the side stroke i like these more melodic strokes if you will tell me about a time when you had a great swimming experience oh wow or a very memorable one so uh, we swam with dolphins in India when I was a kid. Oh my goodness. I know. So we just happened to be swimming in the oceans, and thank goodness that it was dolphins that came up to us and not sharks. Sure. Um, but yeah, that was a really cool so experience. So what happened? You were, you explained to me what you were doing. You so were, we were... Where uh, were you? So India? we were in Goa. Okay, not, and... not like Juhu Beach. Or... No, not Juhu Beach, no. <laughs> and uh, we were on a friend's boat and we happened to be swimming in the ocean and these dolphins uh, sort of came nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember too much but I remember the vividness of the ocean of it being incredibly blue I remember the sun being incredibly bright and warm and inviting um and I just remember happiness I don't remember I don't remember the exact moment of the experience because I was spotted the, the dolphins first I think it must have been my dad okay um so we were all in the water and right. I think it was that moment of like, what are, wait, are these dolphins or right, are these, right, right. Uh, but once they realized that it What's was... What's it like swimming with dolphins for, you know, for everyone, it's sort of like the one thing that you think is calm and peaceful and, and... I think, you know, because I was so, like, because I was young, mm-hmm. it was exciting, right? Because dolphins are these seemingly cute, fun, protective animals, right? Or mammals, I should say. And so... Um, they were, they were, they had that, um, dolphin, uh, uh laugh for oh. ba- uh, lack of a better word. You know, you, they you have that, hear little, that? Yes, yeah, that. that um, yeah, of course the do- the sound of the, the dolphin, sound of the dolphin sure, sure. essentially. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, it was really extraordinary because uh, it was just a really soothing, beautiful moment. I swam once and I got to see um, squid in the water. Oh. I, I was snor- snorkeling in, uh, I want to say, the British Virgin Islands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're snorkeling, and I'm not a strong swimmer, as you know. Where you were talking about different strokes, I'm lucky if I can just <laughs> doggy paddle my way sure. uh, to shore. But when you snorkel, you don't necessarily have to be in deep water. And all I know is I look ahead of me. And I can see these things sort of like moving sort of, it it almost seemed like they would take one swim beat forward and two back and then Mm. one forward. And and when I say forward, away from me. So it looked like they were in front of me, but they were constantly sort of bobbing back and forth, back and forth and getting further away. And you look at it and you're like, what's that? And you're like, that's strange. And then you're like, oh my goodness, it's squid. And then you think, what am I going to have for dinner? And all I wanted was calamari for dinner because I saw them in the ocean. <laughs> oh, but no. but um, that is uh, my encounter with, with sea life. So speaking of sort of these moments that, um, well, at least for me in terms of swimming with the dolphins that were a mm-hmm. bit calm and, and serene sure. in, in a way, um, I also find that like driving can be that way oh really mm-hmm. driving on a highway driving in the country just that long open road when you're driving i feel like that can also evoke like a sense of just serenity in a way i know that when i was driving through new brunswick in particular mm-hmm. it had a bit of a hypnotic effect where you're driving and you're encountering trees upon trees and you're doing a similar sort of turn downhill you turn a corner and you're going downhill or you're going uphill and you're surrounded by trees it can get very sort of um, hypnotic and lovely depending on the time of the year that you're driving or it could it could also like sort of you've got to be cautious because it could lull you into sleep driving in those conditions but I find you know there is that sort of quality of relaxation when you're on a highway and you're driving, and you've got a long, long stretch to drive? I often drive, um, there's a stretch of highway between Toronto, where we're broadcasting from, and Montreal, where I was born and raised. Mm -hmm. I often do that stretch of highway back and forth quite often. And it's, um, it's, it's a pretty uh, boring drive, a lot mm-hmm. of people would say, because it's just a stretch of road, and it's, as you say, the trees, and there's not a lot of uh, changes in elevation or scenery or landscape, so it's uh, one of those um, drives that could, as you say, put you in that hypnotic state. Um, and you know, when you have sort of like the soothing music playing or when you have even someone sleeping next to you in the car, it can really be, um, uh, as you say, something that you have to watch out for. But I always find though, Mm -hmm. when I'm a passenger, I can fall asleep in a car in a second. Really? I think I'm just one of those people who can fall asleep. Like I can't fall asleep on a plane or, uh, but in a car you can, but in a car, I can fall asleep in a second. Really? I see, think, I don't know. I wish I could. I know that, you know, you talking about driving to Montreal reminds me of when I was um, in Italy last year, and we would drive on the highway, and one of the things we looked so forward to was, once again, you're on these highways, and you're driving, and you're seeing towns that, you know, you've heard of or you've read about, and you're like, oh, I wonder what it would be to get off in Verona 
or wherever and one of the joys about driving in Europe and in Italy in this particular case is you would drive and you would pull over to what they call a, an a auto stop an auto stop and you would get yourself a wonderful coffee whether it be an espresso or a mm. cappuccino and you know touching back with background noise the sound of the espresso machine grinding the beans the whoosh sound of the coffee of the milk being frothed and the clicking sound of the handle full of coffee being put into the machine that sound alone it for me evokes the time when we were having these wonderful roadside coffees or cappuccinos as we were driving through the beautiful hillsides and um, towns of Italy it becomes a ritual doesn't it it does like become it a ritual part of the ritual it's funny it's funny because I do have rituals when I'm driving do to you? different dis- destinations whether it be in Canada in the US or in Europe um, of course in Italy pulling over to have uh, an espresso and whatnot and in other towns you know pulling over when you have gas and picking the town where you're going to I know when I'm driving in Ontario I'll often hit a um, the odometer counter, the trip counter, so I know how far right. it is from one um, road stop to the next. Well, it's funny you say that because, um, as you know, at least once a year or twice in the summer, at least, I, t- mm-hmm. I tend to do a road trip with your wife sure. randomly. Mm-hmm. We do these little day trips to the country right. in uh, close think, by. I think you guys picked up a, a wardrobe or something. <laughs> we end up antiquing, right. etc. Um, and there's something very serene about it to sure. be able to just be with the open road and the sky and the beautiful landscape. Um, so, so here's hoping that your open road tonight brought you to some sleep. Uh, we've often said this. We hope this is the podcast that you don't get to the end to. But if you did, thank you for traveling with us to this end of the podcast. Our podcast, we should mention, is under 30 minutes because the ideal time of a short nap is between 26 and 28 minutes and so we keep our podcast under 30 minutes we're broadcasting from toronto canada and uh, the insomnia project is produced by drumcast productions so on behalf of marco and myself thanks for listening or better yet thanks for falling asleep <laughs>